0: Good morning, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, amen, Amen. welcome, welcome to those who are watching online, I pray that everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving, ate lots of turkey and ham and stuffing and mashed potatoes and cranberry in the shape of a can, my name's Pastor Ryan. I'm Congregational Care Pastor here at Church of the Savior. I also head up the Royal Ranger Ministry here at church, and it's an honor to be up here with you this morning. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Awesome. Well, many of you may have pulled out the outline. You may have looked at the chapter and the verses that we're going to look at today, and maybe you had the same reaction that Pastor Steve had. Ryan, you're doing a Christmas message already? I said, well, have you been in Lowe's? It's been Christmas for two months. He said, you might have to be preaching around Christmas time, so maybe you don't want to throw your best pass first. And I said, well, this isn't a Christmas message. It could be a Christmas message, but it's not a Christmas message. Because what we learn, the wisdom... That we glean from Matthew chapter 2 is not just for a season, it's for 365 days of the year. Because in the life of a believer, every day should be Thanksgiving. Every day should be Christmas. Every day should be Good Friday. Every day should be Resurrection Sunday. We should always be thanking God. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you were born a babe of a virgin, completed your mission, you went to the cross, died for the sins of the world, and you're one day coming back. We should always be thankful for that. And unfortunately, a lot of believers don't live that way. Christianity, it's something seasonal for them. Christianity is not seasonal. It's every single day of your life. So, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2 as we dive into this non-Christmas, could be Christmas, but not Christmas message. Starting in verse 1, I'm reading out of NIV. After Jesus was born in where? Bethlehem, in Judea. During the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men, came from the east, came to Jerusalem, and asked, where is the one who has been born what? King of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to, underline it, worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests, scribes, teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, Well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. Well, how did they know? For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you, Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. Of course, we know he was lying. He did not want to worship him. He wanted to murder him. Of incense or frankincense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Father, thank you so much for your word, the truth of your word, and that it is not for just certain seasons in our lives, but for every season of our lives. Amen. Now, There's a lot about these magi, these wise men that we don't know, and that's okay, because if the Bible wanted us to know more, it would have told us, because everything in the Bible tells us exactly what we need to know. Do you believe that? Tells us exactly what we need to know. Uh, For instance, we don't know how many of them there were. Lots of scholars will say there were three because of the number of gifts that were given, but we don't know. We do know that there was enough of them that not only was Herod disturbed, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed. So could three men disrupt all of Jerusalem? Maybe. There could have been a hundred of them. We don't know. Uh, We don't know if they rode on camels. Many times you see them on camels, but we don't know. Uh, Lots of scholars believe that they actually rode one of these, an Arabian horse, beautiful creature, but we don't know. We don't know where they came from. We do know they came from the east, but we don't know what country it was. Many scholars believe it was Babylon. They could be Jew or Gentile. They could have been Gentile. They could have been Jews left over from the exile. We don't know. We do know that they studied scripture They studied prophecy. They studied the stars. And if they were from Babylon, they very well could have been students of the prophet Daniel. But we don't know. But we do know one thing. And it's the most important thing. That these magi, these wise men, were searching and seeking to worship Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen... That is the most important thing we can do every day of the year is seek and search to worship Jesus. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe says about worship. Worshiping God is the highest privilege and the greatest responsibility of the Christian life because God is the highest being in the universe and to whom we must one day give account. Everything. That we are and do flows out of our relationship with the Lord. God created us in his image so that we might love him and have fellowship with him. Listen to this. Not because we have to, but because we want to. God is seeking people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So to truly worship him, you have to have a relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Now, we also can't talk about the magi, the wise men, without talking a little bit about the star. I mean, what in the world was the star? A lot of people will say, well, it was a perfect aligning of the planets and it was, it was a supernova. Okay. Can a supernova move? Uh-uh. The star moved. We know it moved. It led them. It guided the magi. It stopped. It started. Well, it was a shooting star or a comet. Okay. If they were from Babylon, if. That would have been a 300-mile journey. They didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. Could a comet or a shooting star stay up in the sky that long? No. So what was the star? There's a guy I'm going to mention a couple times. His name is Alfred Edersheim. He was a Messianic Jewish scholar that lived in the 1800s, and he said... That the meaning of the word start has many different meanings in the Bible, but it comes from the root word brilliance. And this is what he believes, and I think it makes sense. He believes it was the Shekinah glory of God that led the wise men. The Shekinah glory of the Lord. Well, what is the Shekinah glory of God? It is the visible manifestation of the presence of God. The visible manifestation of the presence of God. And we've seen the presence of God lead people in the Old Testament already. Led the Israelites. Cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. When Solomon dedicated the temple, says the Shekinah glory filled the Holy of Holies. Before the Babylonians invaded, the prophet Ezekiel talks about how the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, left the temple. He saw it leave the temple. It went to the threshold. It went to the eastern gate, onto the Mount of Olives, and up until it disappeared. When the shepherds were in the field, what shone about them? It was the glory of the Lord. I believe it was the physical manifestation of the presence of the Lord that led the wise men to the house, and then they bowed and worshipped the baby Jesus. Now, there are a lot of people who want the joys of life without the worship of Jesus. I say that is impossible. You can think you're having a grand old time, but you will never know the joy. That's a fruit of the Spirit. You will never know the joy of life without the worship of Jesus. And these magi, these wise men, they so desired the worship of Jesus that they did it despite distance, difficulty, and danger. If it was, if they came from Babylon, that 300 miles, can you imagine what your backside would feel like if you went 300 miles on the back of a camel or a horse? I don't think it would feel very good. might be a little tender. And this was rough terrain. Like I said, they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. This was by no means convenient for them. And I hate to say this, but many people will not come to church out of inconvenience. Now, we're right in the middle of football season. I love football. I'm a die-hard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. That's Jerome Bettis right there. The bus. You can talk to me about that later if you want to dispute. Hey there. Steelers. Yeah. There are people every single Sunday in Pittsburgh, in Green Bay, in New England, in Buffalo, in the sleet, the snow, the rain, shirts off, paint, chests painted with numbers, bodies full of embalming fluid, If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. And they'll be cheering. They'll be rooting. They'll be praising their team. But with the slightest inconvenience, many will not venture out of their homes to worship the King Jesus. I'm amazed at what will keep people out of the house of God. And these wise men also did this. Distance, difficulty, and danger. They had to deal with King Herod. He was such a lovely human being. He had two wives killed, three sons killed, and did you know he actually had a list? He had a list of people compiled that when he died, they were to be executed as well just because he wanted mourning throughout the land when he died. Just a lovely human being. That's the person these magi had to deal with. So, my question, how much does the worship of Jesus really mean to you? Or do you have a take it or leave it attitude? Jeremiah 29 13, some of you probably have this up in your home. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Lord, forgive me for half hearted worship because you're worthy of it all. So what is Jesus worth to you? worthship That's where we get the word worship. What's he worth to you? And one of the biggest problems today in the church is comfortability. I read an article, I don't know how long ago, I think there were seven, it was like sneaky idols that have crept into the American church. And number one was lethargy and comfortability. And then right below that was emotionalism. Oh, no, I, I just want to be comfortable. Don't challenge me, pastor. Don't talk about those things, pastor. Don't talk about sin, pastor. Repentance, pastor. I just want to walk out of here feeling good. And you know what? I want you to walk out of here encouraged. But I want you to walk out of here challenged too. I've said this up here. I don't want to step on all ten of your toes, but a couple of them not going to hurt you. Because if if I'm not challenged, I'm not growing. If I'm not growing, I'm stagnant. If I'm stagnant, the Lord can't use me. It's just more convenient to watch online. Now look, I understand if you can't come out of your home for physical reason, you can't get out of your home. If there's two inches of ice on the ground, I understand it. But watching church online, this is just my opinion, is like the fireplace you put up on your TV at Christmas time. I see it, but I don't have any of the benefit. I don't feel any of the warmth. Well, it's easier for me to come in late. I, I, don't, I don't want the praise and worship. I just want the teaching. Half-hearted worship. Now, should I get to the sermon? Should I actually like, get to the text? I think I should probably do that. Very quickly, I want to show you how these magi, how these wise men were wise. And this is wisdom that we need to apply to our lives every single day. Bible says, ask for wisdom. They were wise in how they sought him and in what they brought him. How they sought him and what they brought him. Now there were three things that helped them find Jesus. And number one is they had the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They had the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts the desire in our hearts to seek after the Lord Jesus. He's the one wooing us. He's the one nudging us. When you share the gospel with somebody, you're not the real evangelist. The Holy Spirit is. He's the one. That's his job. Romans 3.11 says, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. No one seeks God. Well, we need a seeker-friendly church. Well, the Bible says no man seeks God. Well, Pastor Ryan, I sought after God. That's how I found him. The only reason you sought after God is because he first sought after you. Every single one of us, when God found us, what were we doing? We were running away from the cross. The only reason God got you, the only reason God got me, is because he can run faster than every single one of us. We love because he first loved us. Worship is the desire planted in the hearts of men by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spe- is seeking after you today. 2 Peter 3.9 says he's patient with us. He doesn't want us to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's not by accident you're here this morning. The Holy Spirit's orchestrated it. And in every single one of our hearts, there's that still small voice that if we will but listen, is nudging us, is wooing us into relationship, into worship of Jesus. The question is, will you respond to it or not? Many smother his voice, cover the ears of their heart to his voice, Have you been hearing the voice of the Lord today, but you've been pushing that voice back? And I just have to say this. A lot of people say God doesn't speak today. What kind of good father doesn't want to talk to his children? Revelation 3. I know this is for the church, but I think it's for the individual. It says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man... Well, open that door. I'll come in and dine with him. Open the door today. So they had the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, they had the message of the Scripture. It is very plain, very clear that the Bible prophesied about the coming of the Lord Jesus. Alfred Edersheim, that guy I told you about, he found... 456 verses in the Old Testament referring to the Messiah. I read that another scholar found over 500 Jesus himself fulfilled at least 300 prophecies by his coming. These wise men had the word of God. Look at verse Look at verse 4. When he had called together, that's King Herod, all the people's chief priests, the teachers of the law, the scribes, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they said, well, we know. Well, how do you know? Because this is what the prophet wrote. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you, Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. They had Micah 5 two. That's what we just read. If you want to find Jesus, open up the Scripture, open up His Word. Unfortunately, many people missed His first coming because they didn't read or they didn't obey the Scripture. We don't have any record that these scribes, these teachers, went to go see Jesus. That amazes me. They knew. King Herod knew. We don't have any record that he went. You know, you can hear me today. You can listen to a sermon every Sunday from this pulpit. You can go to seminary. You can go to Bible college. You can read the scripture front to back, back to front. You can go to Bible study every single Wednesday and you can know the Bible intellectually but miss it completely. Did you know that there are unbelieving believers? Unbelieving believers, what do you mean? They never act out what they believe. Pastor Bill says this at Encounter all the time and I agree with him. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be judged on what we did or didn't do but on what we did or didn't believe, because if you believe it, you will act it out. The Scripture plainly tells us about the first coming of Jesus, and it plainly tells us that he is coming back again. Many missed it the first time, and many are going to miss it the second time. Don't miss it. Open up the Scripture. Follow the nudging of the Holy Spirit and obey the scripture. Thirdly, they had the miracle of the star to help them find Jesus. Now, I already said, I believe it was the presence of God that led the, led the Magi, the Shekinah glory. Many will say, Well, when God shows me a star, then I'll believe. When He shows me a miracle, I'll believe. He knew what was necessary for those people in that day and time. When you set your heart to know God, really know him, whatever it takes, whatever's necessary in his timing, he will let you know. He'll reveal himself to you. And I don't know what your star will be. I don't know what your miracle will be. You know... I think there are miracles happening around us every single day, and we don't even know it. We don't even notice. Maybe your miracle is that coach that's been talking to you. Maybe that miracle is your friend that's been telling you about Jesus. Maybe the stuff you're going through is God saying, Cry out to me. I'm trying to get your attention. But you don't even recognize it. As the miracle that's right in front of you. Now, if you don't want to know the Lord, He won't lead you, He won't guide you. No record shows that the star ever appeared to Herod. Why? He didn't want to know the Lord. Some people can't find God for the same reason a thief can't find a police officer, they don't want to be found. They don't want to seek after God. You get serious about seeking after God, and I guarantee you. He will reveal himself to you. If you want to know him, you can know him. And to know him and to be known by him, it's the greatest adventure of your life. The greatest adventure. Now, that's how they sought him. They were also wise in what they brought him. Scripture says they brought him gold, they brought him incense or frankincense, and they brought him myrrh. Now, why these three? Is this just incidental? You know, why these three specific gifts? Now, I said the Bible tells us exactly what we need to know. Everything in Scripture is important when properly understood. I don't think this was just incidental. I think it was fundamental. So gold speaks of Jesus' sovereign dominion. Matthew 2.2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Verse 6, we've already read it. Out of you will come a ruler, yours may say governor, who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. These wise men knew that this baby was a king. And if you want wisdom like the Magi, you have to understand the same thing. He was born a king, birthed of a virgin, lived and died a sinless life rose from the grave and is returning a king. Gold was the most precious metal that they knew. Signified royalty, kingship. They made crowns out of gold. The Bible speaks of crowns of gold. Daniel knew the Messiah would be a king. 9.25, Messiah the prince. Isaiah 9.7, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This little baby was a king. Have you crowned him king of your life? The angel said to Mary in Luke 1.33, he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom will never end. When we're dealing with Jesus, we are dealing with sovereignty. And he is worthy of our tribute. When you come in front of an earthly king, when you come in front of a dignitary or an ambassador or a president, you pay them tribute. Matthew twenty two twenty one, 21, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. The King James version says, render unto Caesar and render unto God. So the question, have you rendered to Jesus the things that are his? Do you realize he's king of kings? And Lord of lords, have you taken the crown off your head and placed it at his feet? Do you say, Lord, I I render all the things that are valuable to me to you. I render you my life. I render to you my family. I render to you my marriage. I render to you my gold, my finances, because it's all from you anyway. I pay tribute to you. I give you homage. I bow my knee. I bow my heart before you. Have you done that in your life? Because in everyone's heart, there's a throne. And when self is on the throne, Christ is on the cross. That's not where he belongs. But when Christ is on the throne, self is on the cross. We are to die to self. Less of me more of you. John the Baptist, I decrease so you may increase. These wise men recognize his sovereign dominion. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Next, they brought him frankincense. Speaks of his sinless deity. Not only was this little baby king, he's God in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. Read this with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, I didn't do this. I made a note in here. If you can't, turn to Colossians really, really quick. Colossians, I made a note. Colossians 1 starting in verse 15. You want to talk about one of the, probably one of the greatest passages about deity in the Bible. This is uh, starting in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Listen to verse 19. For God was pleased to have all, all his fullness dwell in him. That's amazing. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He is God in the flesh. So what does frankincense have to do with it? Well, frankincense was an ingredient Of a sweet perfume or incense that was used in the tabernacle and in the temple for one purpose, the worship of God. That's it. This is Exodus 30, 34 through 37. I will probably say some of this wrong, so please forgive me. Then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, anchka, and galbanum, and pure frankincense all in equal amount and make a fragrant blend of incense the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted, pure, and sacred. Grind some of it into a powder. Place it in the front of the testimony in the tent of meeting where I will meet you. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy unto the Lord. It's sacred, only to be used for the Almighty God. These magi worshipped him as God, because if they worshipped him as anything else, it would have been blasphemy. They would have been worshipping a two-legged creature that was not God. If that baby was not Jesus, or if that baby Jesus was not God in the flesh then he aided and abetted in the worst crime in history. The Bible says you worship God. Have no other gods before me. We just got done not too long ago studying the book of Revelation. In chapter 9, I believe it's chapter 9, John is confronted by an angel, a super being, so powerful that he gets down and starts to worship. And that angel goes, whoa, buddy, whoa, stop it. He says, "You, you can't do that. He says, we're both going to be in trouble if you do that. He says, you're going to be in trouble for doing it, and I'm going to be in trouble for letting you do it. We worship God and God alone. Don't worship me. We both going to get in trouble. You know, (laughs) I feel bad kind of saying this, but I don't. If one of Jehovah's false witnesses come up to you, ask him, do you worship Jesus? They may say, well, we venerate him. No, no, no. Do you worship Jesus? Well, we admire Jesus. No, do you worship him? If Jesus is, is not God, we have no business worshiping him. If Jesus is worshiped in the Bible and they don't, they're not doing what the Bible teaches. When they brought gold, they worshiped him as having sovereign dominion. When they brought frankincense, they worshiped him as God in the flesh, recognizing His sinless deity. Fully man, fully God, all at the same time, the infinite God-man. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, If the baby Jesus wasn't God, we have no business worshiping him. And lastly, worship team, you can get ready. They brought him myrrh. And myrrh speaks of his sacrificial death. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, one of the things they offered him was myrrh. It's a bitter, bitter herb. Mark fifteen twenty three, and they gave him drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. They would use it when they would bury the dead to embalm the bodies. Now, you're saying, well, that's a weird thing to give to a newborn baby. A bitter herb, something used in the embalming of the dead. Now, look, I, I don't know if these magi knew with precision what they were doing. I do know this, that God the Holy Spirit orchestrated the whole thing. We have a prophecy, we have prophecy of his sovereign dominion, his sinless deity, and his sacrificial death. This baby was born to die. They anticipated his birth, and they recognized his death upon the cross. Now, I do got to talk just a little bit about Christmas time in this non-Christmas message. I love Christmas time. It's my favorite time of the year. Yesterday, my wife and I were putting up the Christmas decorations and we were watching Christmas movies and I was, I was bubbly and I was happy. We get together and eat wonderful food. We exchange gifts. It's a glorious time. And the lights are so pretty. Ooh, I- ah and we get excited about the baby Jesus, that's not a bad thing. It's not wrong to celebrate the reason for the season. But you know what? The early church did not have a memorial to remember his birth. It had a memorial to remember his death. Death. And we celebrate that today, the Lord's Supper. It's available down here for any of those that believe. Listen to this. The more carnal a person is, the more they make about his birth. The less carnal they are, the more they will make about his death. Lots of us love the cradle but we have a hard time with the cross many don't see that baby as a sovereign king they don't see sinless deity God in the flesh they don't see a sacrificial savior who suffered on the cross thank God that babe was born to die I say it again and he chose to die he didn't have to die John 10 I lay down my life No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. He didn't have to die. There was no sin in him. The wages of sin is death. He had no sin. He died voluntarily for you and for me. He was born naked a baby, and he died naked on a cross. The pictures are modest. They put a cloth around him. Our dear Savior, stripped of his clothing, naked, writhing in pain, nailed upon a cross. From the time that Jesus was born, he lived in the shadow of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. As we close our time... Maybe there are some of you here that would say, Ryan, I've not rendered everything to Jesus. I got areas in my life where I'm still wearing the crown. I'm still sitting on the throne. Come do business with the Lord at the altar today. Maybe you're here and just go, you know what? I haven't been worshiping the Lord the way I should worship him. I've had half-hearted worship. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Ryan, well, I can't worship him because I don't have a relationship with him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just ask today, maybe you're watching online and you would say, Ryan, I've never given my heart to Jesus. I can't say that if I were to die today, that I know for certain I would go to heaven. I don't have a relationship with him. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand today? Thank you. I see you back there. If you would, just say this prayer after me. This is a prayer of commitment. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize I fall short. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me. I render to you my life today. And make me a home in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, there will be people up here. Love to talk to you. Love to help you. This altar is going to be open. Let's worship the king today. the altar's open
1: Would you all stand as you're able Feel free to come to the altar, feel free to make your chair altar um, just however best you connect with the Lord, um, it's our joy and our privilege to be able to seek the Lord on a daily basis. Um, let's, just, let's just pray together. Lord, we just, um, you're our greatest treasure, our greatest reward. And Lord, um, I thank you that when we seek you, you may be found we seek you with all of our hearts. I pray that you give us more hunger for you today, in Jesus' name. next song out together.
0: or to wash, to cleanse by the washing of water. But another word that it means is to overwhelm. And we were singing that first song. That's what the Lord does. He overwhelms us with His love, with His peace. So Lord, I pray today for all of us A fresh baptism in your love, in your peace, in your spirit. Overwhelm us today, Lord. We love you so much, and you are worthy of it all. For your name be praised, Jesus worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you for your birth. We thank you for your death and resurrection. And we anticipate the mighty return of the King. Bless your people today, Lord. Bless your church today, Lord. And overwhelm us. And yes, let us remember the reason for the season. But it's not just for a season. It's for every season, every day of our lives. Because he's been there in every season, every single day of your life. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. You're so good. Again, bless your people as they go. Keep them safe until we have the joy of seeing one another again. And it's in the precious, sovereign name of Jesus that all God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay and linger in the presence of the Lord. Don't forget to go pick up your children. God bless.
1: Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you are encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.